0: Welcome to The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Emily Elizabeth. I created this show to help educate, encourage, and support those who are struggling with their mental health by sharing my stories, as well as the stories of others, in hopes to show you that you are not alone and you can do anything if you work hard and put your wondering mind to it. So let's get started. Today, I have Leah Gerstorff with me to talk about her experience with postpartum depression. Leah is a wife, mother of three, owner of C-Bella Waxing, co-owner of Emerald House, and co-host of the Emerald Hour podcast. So if you want to learn more about Leah's journey, Then keep on listening. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning into The Wondering Mind, a mental health podcast. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. This show is in no way meant to treat or diagnose any type of mental illness. I am not a mental health professional, simply just someone who has struggled and felt called to share what I've learned and am learning along my mental health journey. Thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Wondering Mind podcast. I'm your host Emily Elizabeth, and today I have Leah Gerstorf with me, and we're going to talk all about her postpartum journey after she had her third child, and I think we're going to learn a lot today about her experiences. So I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Leah. So welcome, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. It is exciting. And you also have your own podcast, so you're kind of privy to this situation, this setup.
1: A little bit, yeah. Quarantine has definitely changed the way that setup looks <laughs> for everybody. But I'm I'm used to the whole talking into a speaker and headphone, and it's it's really cool. It's a cool outlet, I love it.
0: Yes, actually, I'm currently recording in my closet, <laughs> so <laughs> when you said, like, we've got to get kind of, like, creative, like, I, I feel you on that. Um, yes. So, yeah. I'm and excited. I'm at the beach, so. I'm at the beach, yeah. For the, You can't see this, but she has a really serene and calming background on the Zoom call right now. <laughs> very nice I wish I was at the beach right now quite honestly
1: seriously maybe that's why this is set up that way so it gives you the feeling of your where you're not really (laughs) are (laughs) makes you feel good in the moment one one can hope and imagine yes we're all imagining that this year
0: we are for sure I'm very excited to have you on the show because we kind of connected on social media and we started chatting we had like a pre-podcast chat we were talking about What we could talk about and something very relevant to your life was how you had experienced postpartum depression. And I have a lot of friends that have kids and one of my best friends is currently pregnant. So it really hit home. And I don't honestly know much about postpartum, which is crazy because I feel like all women should have some type of idea.
1: But I don't think that we do. I mean, part of my... Story, and if I can I go ahead and get into it a little bit? Absolutely <laughs> okay, take it away. Um, you know, I have been a mom for almost thirteen years now. My oldest is he'll be thirteen in a week, and I had two children already, and you know I was like i've got this mom thing down, I've got this life thing down I've got this balance and working and and then my third child came along almost four years ago, and postpartum hit me like a ton of bricks and I knew nothing about it. I didn't know I was in it. I didn't know that's what was wrong with me. And that's what's crazy to me. I'm like, I'm a mother. I am a female. You you hear about this. Why isn't it talked about more because all the signs were there. Looking back now, it seemed so obvious that that's what was wrong with me. And I'm like, we I went an entire year without being diagnosed. Or without even realizing that there was something off, I just, that's just crazy to me. Because here I am, you know, I'm a seasoned mom. I've done this before. I can't get a grip on life right now. There's always this part of every mother, you have a child and you lose a little bit of yourself in those first few months because your focus is on a newborn who's sometimes colicky and you're losing sleep. and. It's hard to do self-care when you're caring for another human being in that way. it's It's a lot of work. so it's easy to get lost in that. And I don't know where that line crossed where it went from caring for a newborn and just being in the throes of being a new mother and having three kids to wait a minute, this is a problem. It's hard to to see the difference, but I think that one of the biggest, things I was looking at was you know I'm not suicidal I don't want to hurt my baby and I thought that that's what postpartum depression was I didn't realize there were like 50 other things that could be going on that could contribute to that diagnosis I had no idea so here I am thinking I'm fine I'm not suicidal so you know this is just this is going to be life with three kids now I had no idea that going from two to three would be this hard, but this is just the rest of my life, and I'm going to have to deal with that. So it was really hard to talk about it with people because I felt like no one understood that. Even my husband, like I didn't talk about it with him or how I felt. I just felt lost. I felt like I had lost myself when I had my third child, and I was never going to get it back. And I'm sorry if I cry, I'm a crier. It's okay. This <laughs> is a I like, safe I space. Cry. Okay, I cry all the time, but I'm like, people have no idea how much I actually cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's good to cry, it's good to let it, it out. Let it out, let it out. So, you know, it's, it's crazy because I think other people maybe recognized that there was something off in me, but didn't know what to say or how to go about it, and it felt like an attack. I was spending a lot of money more so than normal. You know, I like nice things, but I was spending a lot of money to, it's almost like Like I was trying. Absolutely. I think I was trying so hard to have a little bit of happy and it's, it's so hard to explain, but it makes me sad because, you know, you go in for your six week checkup after you have a baby and you talk with the doctor and baby blues are a thing and they say it's normal. And at six weeks, you're in the throes of being a new mom again. So how do you look at someone and say, oh, that's normal, what you're feeling is normal, or how do you, how do you differ, differentiate between the normal chaos of being a new mom to, I don't think you're in the right mind. I don't think that's right. Like, I don't know. It's just a very hard thing to see in yourself. And I think it's a hard thing for other people to see, too, because I'm tired. I'm, you know, shut out to the world. I'm getting two hours of sleep. It's, It was normal <laughs> for me to be a walking zombie. Yeah, because um, you
0: expect that when you have a newborn. So it's like you kind of just throw it into the mix and like add it into the excuses of this is just motherhood. This is just being... Yes. You know, dedicated to this newborn child, and me, like you said, like kind of throwing myself away yeah. temporarily, and it gets misconstrued, it gets tangled up, and you're like you said, you can't decipher or pinpoint. Actually, this is a little bit worse than what I thought.
1: Right, I'm like, this is this normal or is this just what I'm living with? I don't know. I I can't tell. It and. You know, I'd gone through this with my other two children, that whole first few months where everything is chaos and and you lose yourself. But I always got out of it. Like every month got easier and easier. And there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And with this third child, I just, it just blows my mind that that's, I thought that that's just what life was going to be like. And it makes me sad because here I am, third time mother, not being able to tell the difference And then seeing other moms for the first time going through this and them thinking, this is just life with a baby now, you know, it's crazy to think that I went a year without knowing, but you know, she was born in December. She was a month early and when she had turned a year old, I just had this like mental breakdown where I was like crying to my husband in the kitchen. And I remember going through this, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. Um, I just don't feel like me and I don't know if I'm ever going to feel like me ever again. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know how to get back to that. And he looked at me and he was like, have you thought that maybe you have postpartum depression? And I was like, no, it's not that, you know, I'm fine. I'm not suicidal. I just, I just don't know who I am anymore, and he was like, I think you should look into it, (laughs) so I, I, of course, Google it, and, you know, there's a list of, and don't WebMD this, but it kind of made (laughs) sense for me in the moment, I'm, I'm reading this description and all these things that could be going on in your life that are contributing factors and, and signs of postpartum depression, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm all of these, every single one of these, I'm checking boxes. And the only boxes that I didn't check were the ones that were like, I'm not suicidal. I don't want to hurt my child, but that doesn't mean I'm not depressed. So it's like this, you know, I don't know if you ever feel like this, but when you read something and you connect to it, you instantly feel better. better. Because you're like, I'm not
0: crazy.
1: Yes. I was like, oh gosh. Okay. There is something going on.
0: It gives you hope. Because you were exactly. saying you felt like this was how it was going to be for the rest of your life. But when you see the rest like of that, my life, like, oh, there's a chance there is a, right.
1: a way out. There's like, a diagnosis. There's a treatment. Like I can get help for this. I didn't just lose my mind. There's a whole side of guilt to that being a mom where you feel like I wanted this third child and I feel like I'm never going to, she's never going to know me the way I used to be. It, there's a whole mom guilt to this crazy thing. <laughs> So, you know, I, I call my OBGYN and I make an appointment. And as soon as I go in to see her, like, it's crazy because I'm like, I'm just sitting on her table and I just burst into tears. She's like, so what brings you in? And I'm just like, <laughs> and she was like, all right, listen, this is normal. Absolutely normal. A lot of moms go through this. I'm going to give you a prescription. This is for an anti-anxiety, antidepressant. I was still nursing at the time, so I didn't want to take anything. But she assured me like, this is safer when you're pregnant. It's safer when you're nursing. You know, it's a baby dose. I was like, okay. And I left there feeling good, but I've never been one to jump on the medicine train. I don't want to say that I'm anti-meds. I'm just anti-meds for me. I'm very sensitive to Tylenol. I'm a, I'm sensitive to Excedrin. So I've seen what medicine can do f- for people in good ways and I've seen it in bad ways. And I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to start. So I got home and I'm like, I'm going to get myself out of this. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start taking care of myself. And if I know That I'm doing this for me, maybe I can do this without the medicine. So I tried, and it started to seem like I was feeling normal after, you know, a couple of months. I was like, okay, I'm seeing the light, been a long time, but I'm starting to feel like myself again. And, you know, life happened, and we decided to buy a house and sell a house all in the same few weeks, and it was crazy and chaos. And the depression came back like a freight train. I mean, I think everybody has this situation where like it just snowballs like one thing after another and you snowball into this cycle of what I knew as depression. I didn't know before, but now I'm like, oh my God, that's what this is. So it was at that moment that I was like, you know, I have to take the meds. I can't, I can't do this alone. I need the help. I know it's a mental thing. So I need something to help my head like you know it's a chemical imbalance like i need something to help me get those chemicals back because it's not working i i'm not being i'm not able to do it myself so i got on meds and that's kind of the beginning of getting out of postpartum depression that was it for me so
0: how long um, were you on medication how long did that phase last
1: i was on them for probably a year it's almost like I just forgot that that ever happened. You know, I I started to feel normal again, but I started noticing around a year that not only was I not depressed anymore, but I wasn't feeling anything. I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling sad. But my I'm like I said in the beginning. I'm a very emotional person. I'm extremely emotional. And that was just completely shut off in me. I wasn't emotional over anything. I could watch a commercial and not cry and (laughs) watch a sad movie and not cry. And that felt weird to me because I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I want to feel the good with the bad. I don't want to shut it off. But I also recognize that that's what I needed to climb out of the hole that I was in. I needed that push. I needed that shove. I needed that medicine to help get me out of where I was. So I realized in that moment, I didn't need it anymore. So I tried to wean myself off. I, I didn't try. I did. And I talked with my doctor about it. I didn't just stop taking it because that's something I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> Should never stop taking an antidepressant or anti-anxiety med. Just cold turkey. It will mess with your head. And I have so many friends who have done that, you know, and it's like, that makes it worse. You can't do that. So I talked with my doctor and I got on a plan to wean myself off and I've been off of them for two years now. That's awesome. Um, I feel good about that, but it doesn't mean that I don't have my, I still go through the ups and downs. I still have had several, you know, I don't know what you would call them. I've had Phases. episodes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Depressive episodes where I recognize it immediately. I can feel myself sliding down into it. And it's crazy now because I'm like, how did I go a year without knowing that there was something off? And now I can recognize it before it hits.
0: It's like you were distracted myself. before. And now you have a little bit more clarity. You don't have a newborn. She's kind of established. Yeah. She can be more self-aware.
1: I think so. And, and, you know, I feel like the people around you always know more than you do about yourself. You sometimes, most of the time. And my husband sees it in me a lot of times before I see it, he can tell something's off, you know, and, and it, then it, it hits me. I'm like, Oh, okay. So we're doing this again. I'm going to have to be aware. I'm going to have to fight out, of, fight my way out of this hole again, you know, and sometimes that's hard to do. I'll sit in it. It do doesn't the best thing. You sometimes know, it's like, the only thing you can do to get yeah, and out I don't, of it. I don't think people who haven't struggled with it understand that. But, you know, sometimes brushing your teeth is hard. <laughs> Getting out of bed is hard. And it's almost like this, that just the whole mom guilt thing. I'll, I'm going to go back to that. Brings that to a whole circle because I'm like, I have to get out of bed. I have three children. I have to brush my teeth and set an example. And it's hard. It is the hardest thing to do. And it seems so easy. Like, you know, the people who are like, oh, just work out. And if you just have positive affirmations and just think positive thoughts. I feel like that's toxic positivity. That's not helpful. One thousand percent. And I didn't
0: know toxic positivity was a thing. I didn't either until recently. And I plan on doing an episode about
1: it because it's not okay for sure because i have a friend who in the middle of all this didn't understand and couldn't understand why i was depressed she didn't see it because even my husband at the beginning was i don't understand you have a good life you have a yep. nice house you have healthy children we have a good marriage you have you know money what are you what is there to be depressed about i don't know if you ever felt this but Like on top of mom guilt, there's also depression guilt where you're like, shit, you're right. Nobody in my family has died. I have a good life. I feel guilty for being depressed because my best friend just lost her mother and I can't tell her I'm depressed because I have no reason to be. It's like you feel selfish kind of for feeling depressed. Right. Right oh, it blows my mind how many people don't understand that. And, you know, they look at my life on Instagram and are shocked to know I deal with depression and anxiety too. Yes, I'm human. My life is not perfect. I show you the good. That's a whole other s-
0: topic of discussion. It
1: really is. And i oh, that's, man. I'm like, God, I could talk to you for hours. But, but it's so
0: important because people you, do. They look at Instagram and social media and they'll look at you and they'll be like, she has a perfect life. What does she have to be worried about? And then it makes the other person feel horrible about themselves because they're right. like, why does she have it all together? And, and I'm sitting over here miserable when in reality, you're over there suffering in silence,
1: not yes. sharing that with the world. Right. And that's the hard part too, because I go to work every day with a smile on my face because mm-hmm. I work in an industry where I see people all day, every day, and I don't want to put my negative stuff on them you know? So I do have a good fake face, but it doesn't mean that I'm not struggling mentally, you know? And it it just goes to show that you just, you don't know what people are going through. I've had people say they unfollowed me on social media because my life seemed perfect. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm sorry if you thought that, (laughs) but that's not the case. And then I struggle with do I post about being depressed? Do I, should I tell people I am so they don't think my life is perfect? Or do I keep that to myself because I'm suffering through it and I want to do this my own way. So I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to me, but the toxic positivity, I saw a post on Instagram the other day and I wanted to reshare it because it was like, um, look at you, in 10 years, you're, you've made it, you're married, you have a family, you have a house, you've paid off your school debt, look at you, you finally made it. And I'm like, no, 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 that's toxic positivity right there. Because I've done all those things. I still struggle mentally with a lot of stuff. So you can't base on, you know, people who have nothing are happy year and don't have depression, mental illness to deal with because there's not as much pressure on them to be perfect. So it's all over the place. And I think this is going to sound crazy, but you know, I used to, Robin Williams, you
0: mm-hmm. know, that whole
1: situation, and yes. people are like, oh my God, he had everything. And I used to say those types of things too. When someone committed suicide or was, you know, something happened, I'd be like, why? They had the perfect life. They were like famous. They had yeah. millions. All these yes. Things. Yeah. And it's almost like when you go through it, you get it. I get it because in a weird way, you feel. I feel this anyway. Like I feel like my husband didn't sign up for this. He's better off without me. I was never suicidal, but I can see how that could happen. It just really messes with you in any state. The crazy thing is I was reading up on postpartum depression and one in seven moms struggle with it. And that's just those who come forward. Right. So I'm like, there are moms out there who are suffering who don't even know that they could get themselves out of this. Like, That's not what life has to be. You don't have to live like that just because you had a child. It's, it's crazy to me that it's just not more.
0: So nonchalant, people just kind of ride it off. Like, oh yeah, that's normal. Postpartum depression, a lot of people get it, but we don't actually yeah. learn about it. We don't know how it affects you or what signs to look for or that it could just come across as quote-unquote basic depression you know
1: right or the baby blues because they do say that you know baby blues are normal after having a kid and they just go away so I don't know how at my six-week checkup she would have been able to tell me oh yeah you have postpartum depression for sure like she never asked the questions and I love my OBGYN don't get like I love her but this is a common thing that I'm seeing in a lot of moms. Like, you know, you go to your six-week checkup, and they check on your physical symptoms <laughs> and make sure you're healing in the right way. They don't have a list of questions that they ask you. And maybe some do, but that's something that I was like, you know, why didn't she ask me those questions?
0: It should be a Or why standard. don't you have
1: exactly and and you know if it doesn't happen at the sixth week why don't they have another checkup and like another six weeks and so you go back in at 12 weeks and they check your psych then like it just it's crazy to me that so many women are feeling this and suffering through this and not finding a way out and have no idea there's a way out so yeah
0: yeah. that's why I think it's so important to talk about it and that's why I was so excited to have you share your story I have a question though, bringing it back to kind of like the beginning stages when you were just going through it, like you were in the weeds of it. Did that affect your relationship at all? Did it affect your relationship with your other kids? Like how were you able to keep going in those moments still?
1: I don't, honestly, I look back and I don't know. That year just seemed like a blur to me. And, you know, I look back on it now and I'm like, I'm so sad about some of the things that I missed out on. Like we didn't do Christmas photos like we normally would have done. I wasn't feeling like doing family photos. And I look back and I'm like, oh my God, we didn't do anything that year that I normally do because I just didn't feel right in my head. So I'll be honest that that whole first year was a blur. I don't know how I got through it. I don't know what my relationship with my other kids looked like. I think I was just in survival mode and taking every day as best as I could. You know, I also own a business. So I was going to work every day and dealing with employees and drama and everything. I really just think that that entire year, just I mentally forgot about it. Like I've pushed it so far back. Kind of I totally it out. out. Almost. Yeah. That is what it feels like because yeah. I couldn't tell you what happened that year outside of getting through it. It's crazy. I don't know if it's like a mental thing, like if it's, it's like a coping mechanism with me. You know, I, I do tend to block out traumatic things. So I do too. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. There are years of my life and things that happened in my life where I'm like, I don't remember that at all. Like I know you remember it. You're, you know, your family. I don't remember that happening.
0: Yeah, that happens to me too. That makes a lot of sense. And thank you for actually being open and honest about that, because some people, I don't know. It's like they, and also too, it's like that's the real. You're, you weren't faking, trying to be like better. You weren't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, when you went to work, you're putting on a that persona, but that's because you, like, you absolutely had to. It's like survival mode.
1: It was survival mode. And that's For sure. So scary. <laughs> it's very scary. It just being in survival mode because I was also nursing and pumping. So I would take pump breaks at work and I would sit in my room at work alone with the pump machine going and I would just sob. just, And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I have to get it out now because my break is over in 45 minutes and I have to suck it up. And go on about my day.
0: And that's not so. How that was,
1: be. yeah. No, I'm that's like awful. looking back. I'm like, that's crazy that that's that was my crazy. only outlet and my yeah. only coping skill. That's not even a coping skill. I don't know what that was. It kind <laughs> of is. It's like I don't that know. was like, all right, let me take my mask off for a moment. Yes. And let myself feel yeah. what I really feel. So I can go back to putting my mask on and taking care of everybody else. I think that that's what it was. I'm so, as a mom, you're taking care of everybody. And if you are not doing that, then you've just, you've let go. So I was making sure everyone else was taken care of, of my clients, my employees, my kids, my family, and I came absolute last. And, Looking back now, I'm like, you know, that was not the best choice because my kids didn't get the best version of me. My husband didn't get the best version of me. You know, it's okay to be selfish in that moment and take care of yourself. You can put on the brakes and be like, whoa, hold on. I can't be a good mom until I fix myself. Exactly. Let me fix that. And then I'll come back to taking care of everybody else. But I think it was just a year of me not doing that and not knowing that I had to, I didn't, I didn't know that there was anything to take care of. So what are you doing now? Now that
0: you're in a better mindset and a better place, how are you keeping up and being more yourself and taking time for self-care? What are you, what's, what does it look like for you now?
1: This is going to sound crazy because I mean, this is a little bit about what I talk about in my podcast with my co-host. And we kind of take a holistic approach to this because after I took the meds and was on them, I realized medicine just wasn't for me. If this was something I was going to have to deal with on and off the rest of my life, Which I'm starting to realize I am. It's it's gonna come and go in waves. Me too. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Like we're all like kind of you know you don't just have one depressive episode. Get over it. It's not. I wish it would. It was that easy. Me too.
0: It's a lifelong thing.
1: Yeah. That's crazy to me because I'm like it all started with postpartum and now it's like and now this is what I have to deal with. So I knew that I wasn't able to do it on my own. I tried that you know, five or six years ago, if you had asked me anything about smoking weed or marijuana, (laughs) I would have been like, oh my God, no, I'm a mother. Who do you think I am? (laughs) Hell no. Absolutely not. And if my husband gets caught smoking weed, I will divorce him. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I was like that anti-drug. I was searching for answers. I was desperate for something to help. And I started researching and reading about marijuana and medical marijuana that, you know, the health benefits, how it can help with anxiety and depression. And these are all things that I'm like, holy shit, that's not what they tell you in school. Like, that's not what I learned growing up. You just hear drugs are bad. Okay. And <laughs> it's this whole stereotype of, you know, being a stoner if you smoke weed and I started researching and reading all these books and how it can help with anxiety and depression and the right way to use them. And this is why it's medically legal in some states. And that's how it usually starts. It's medically legal because you can walk into a dispensary and tell them exactly what you're feeling and how you want to feel. And they, it's like a prescription, basically. When it's regulated, it's easier to get to, easier to know that you're getting exactly what you're paying for. Since it's not legal here, I re- I realize that what I'm doing is completely illegal. Well, actually, technically, it's, it's been decriminalized in Kentucky, right. so it's baby not, steps. Yeah, baby steps. It's almost there. Um, but I started to re- realize, you know, this this does help me. It makes me feel better. At the end of the week, you know, I'm, I'm not smoking every day. I'm not smoking in the morning. I'm not high at work. I'm not high around my kids. At the end of the week, after a long week, if I want to smoke, how is that any different than the moms who have a glass of wine at the end of the night, or not even at the end of the night? You know, so it's so acceptable to just like have a glass of wine on a play date and have a bottle of wine a night. And I've never been a huge drinker. So, you know, I haven't been drunk in almost four years. That's not my thing anymore. I don't yeah. drink anymore. Don't my either. go-to is re- good for you. <laughs> I, I stopped. I was like, this is making things worse. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, it it really is. It's a natural depressant. And, you know, I know it makes you feel good in the moment and you're able to shut off and unwind, but I have found that same feeling of feeling good about myself, unwinding, shutting down. I've found that in marijuana and not all marijuana is the same. And that's the crazy thing. Like there are thousands and thousands and thousands of different strains and they're coming up with new strains daily. So you do have to find what works for you, but that's where the reading came with me. I started researching and figuring out what I needed and it's helped me tremendously along the way. So, you know, if I have some strains where if I do take a single hit off of a vape pen, I don't feel high. I just feel better. Like calmer. If I'm like calmer. And, you know, there's like a whole science to it, but I, and I don't want to get into that, mm-hmm. but strains that are higher in CBD, you know, CBD is legal. Right. Completely. And that's what everybody is using right now for like anti-anxiety and helps calm you down. Yeah, so I used it for a while. Yeah, and it really does help. But if you are smoking strains of marijuana that are high in CBD, it just calms you down. You don't feel that the hallucinating high or the heady high, you don't feel that way. So I'm like, I can function and smoke and it's doing something good for my body. I just don't understand where the stigma comes from. I do, because I used to be one of those people who would stigmatize it, but (laughs) You know, once you start learning more about it, it it kind of opened me up into a whole new world of holistic approach to everything because I'm like, this is a plant, right? It's a plant
0: versus a man-made chemical that you don't know what the hell is in it. And you're just like, exactly. Putting it in your body
1: anyways. Right. And I think that the, one of the scarier things about antidepressants and, and all of that stuff for me is I see people who stay on them and never try to get off. And then they have a cocktail of medicine that they're on and they don't feel anything and there's just this disconnect. And I see it in some of my family members and it makes me mm. so sad because I just wanna be like, you were so medicated and it's so obvious to everyone but you that there's just a light that's not there.
0: There's that's a disconnect.
1: Good. Yeah. And I think that that's where the abuse in antidepressants comes in. like absolutely. If you need to use them to get yourself out of a dark hole, 1000%, get yourself out of it. But they are not meant to be lifelong medicines. They are meant to be tools to help get you out of those things. You still have to face your demons. You still have to feel the bad with the good. You can't shut it all off all the time. So I think you know, there's a whole thing with addiction and and becoming dependent on medicine. And that's just one of those things I don't want to be dependent on with weed and marijuana. I mean, it sounds as, I know they're the same thing, but I'm like, I feel so, I feel like a stoner saying weed. I'm I'm just going to say cannabis. So I sound more sophisticated. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I'm not a stoner mom. I'm a cannabis advocate mom. Oh, I love that. Um, Cannabis advocate. That's perfect. Cannabis advocate mother is who I am. So, you know, I think that it's non-addictive. Nobody's ever overdosed ever. It is physically impossible. Your body has an endocannabinoid system built into it, so your body is made to consume this plant, and they are connected. And I, you know, I did a post about that one time. Yes, yes, there's an endocannabinoid system in your brain. It's like these transmitters, and it works with the plant. Like, that's what the plant does for you. But not a lot of people know that. So I'm like, you know, your body has this endocannabinoid system. It does not have a Zoloft system or a Xanax system, which I'm not saying, again, I feel like I have to keep saying that, like, I'm not saying drugs, you shouldn't take them 100%. Do what you need to do and do what's best for you. But in my experience, they didn't work for me and Mm -hmm. they don't work for everybody. And there is help out there and there are other ways you can find it outside of big pharma. Scary thing for me coming off of it, realizing that it was like, it was a two month process for me. I couldn't just stop taking them. I had to wean myself off. And that's scary because I'm like, well, shoot, if I ever wanted to stop smoking weed, I just stop. Like you could just not do it anymore. And it doesn't hurt you. (laughs) I don't want to like take too much of your time. I know this is like, this could go on and on, but As I started learning and researching more and more about cannabis, I started researching and learning more and more about other psychedelics and hallucinogens and medicines that help with anxiety and depression. And one of the craziest things that I came across is all of these studies that John Hopkins did in 2006. And these studies are still continuing to go and they're becoming more and more to They're coming to fruition now. Like a lot of people are looking more into these studies because they've been going on since 2006. But what they're realizing is a lot of people who did psilocybin treatments back in 2006, you know, they did a treatment with a a psychologist or therapist or whatever they were doing them with during these studies. And here it is 2020. They're going back and saying, how did that work for you? Are you still good? And they're still good. And it I don't want to say that it's like an end all be all for depression, but these people ha- did one trip on psilocybin and for years haven't had a depressive episode years. So I'm like, think about the power that can come in that if you tell someone you don't have to take a pill every day of your life, you just do this one thing and it could change your life and how bad that is for big pharma, exactly. That's probably why <laughs> it's not a thing. Like, because big pharma that's, practically runs the world America at America. Exactly. That's why they're fighting it
0: so they hard. They don't want to criminalize it.
1: Yeah. Billions of dollars, and and just think about that for it's a disgusting. second. When they when it's crazy to me. Yeah. So that's kind of what our podcast is about: is destigmatizing all of these plant medicines and holistic approaches because. There's a such thing as bad trips, but there's, you know, there's, there's alcoholics who do bad things, but it's completely legal. So I'm like, yes, there are stupid ways you can do it, but there are smart ways you can do it. You know, just like with anything, don't abuse it, use it with an intention, use it with the mindset going in that you're doing it for the right purpose. And that's all anybody can do. You can abuse anything. I think that there's that whole mindset around, you know, oh, but if you do it, you'll go crazy or, you know, there's just so many things around it that you were taught growing up that aren't true.
0: Of course. I think that's the reason they planted those seeds in society was so that they don't lose money. It's profit over people always. Absolutely.
1: That's that's always what it's been. And it just makes me so sad because I re- I really feel like this is something not just psychedelics in general, but like all of the stuff that they're keeping from us could Mm -hmm. actually be something that could help change the world. It could help change society. It could help create more empathy in people and mental health right now is, It's, it's like, it's a pandemic in itself. Exactly. Especially now. And and part of me is like, maybe all of this is happening for a reason. Maybe all oh, of these yes. studies are coming back out for a reason because people are sick it. and tired of feeling this way. And especially with 2020 pushing you down. And I don't know if this is, is what this year has been like for you. I mean, I'm sure because this year has been the worst year of anybody's life ever. Oh, awful. <laughs> Hands down. Yes. I'm like, I don't know a single person who's been okay. Period. We've yep. all been going through it and people who have never felt depression or anxiety before are feeling it and they're like, oh, this, this, is, is, what, this is, this what is what it's awful. like. Yeah, this is what you feel on like a regular basis. And you're like, yeah, welcome <laughs> to hell. <laughs> welcome, right. Like, <laughs> welcome to our world. <laughs> but in that, I think it's creating a little bit more empathy in people. Absolutely, and realizing what other people really struggle with, and understanding that it's not just a mindset. It really isn't. It's it's a it's a pandemic. Yep, it's, it's what you said. It really is. I think all of this stuff is happening because people are getting sick and tired of the same thing, and they yep. want answers and they want a way out of it. And I don't think you're ever going to get that if you don't just open your mind to something that's maybe not the norm, normalized, quote unquote, the norm, when the norm is not healthy at all. Right. And that's kind of, you know, I had a friend, I'm very open about what I do on social media. Now I talk about psychedelics. I talk about weed. I'm not afraid. And for the longest, I remember the first time I posted Mm -hmm. about it was last January 1st, 2020. (gasps) You're kidding. No, swear to God, it was the first time I ever, I was like, I'm out and proud. And everybody was just like, I am so proud of you. You finally came out because you know, that's something you don't talk about. You don't. I'm not good friends with our neighbors because they have block parties and drink. And how do you tell your neighbors, like, yeah, no, I don't drink. I smoke weed <laughs> or I dabble in mushrooms. Like, you don't, it's not something you can just come out and say. People so will judge you. It, yeah. They will judge you. Just, and I it is, hate it that. Is. Yeah. I hate that feeling so much. So, you know, a friend of mine who's very close to me, she was like, aren't you worried that somebody is going to like call CPS or Child Protective Services? And I'm like, you know, With everything that's happening out there, I am a better mother because of how I am doing this. I could very well be an alcoholic and a pill-popping alcoholic. You know, like I could be popping Xanaxes and drinking a bottle of wine and be a worse mother. And everybody thinks that's okay. It's, It's legal. I'm a better mother for doing what I am doing because I am doing something to take care of myself and it is not harming my children and it is better for my health. And hands down, I'll fight for you know, I don't care if you call on me, like I will fight <laughs> for what I believe is right. And I think I would have a million people in my corner backing me up.
0: Oh, absolutely. That. Well, <laughs> I love like, that I you do. Yeah, just like let you do what's best for you. I think people like you said, they're tired, they're fed up. Let people just do what works for them and let's tone down the judgment a little bit because this year has been almost like a cleanse with yes the racism and politics and I mean, I could, the list goes on and on. It goes on and on things. Everybody already knows. Yeah. And mental health was one of those things that was thrown into the mix this year. And honestly, I'm forever grateful because I think another stigma surrounding mental health and postpartum falls underneath this is no one was talking about anything. And I didn't talk about things with, A lot of people, including my parents, for a long time, because one, I didn't know what the hell was going on, much like you didn't know what the hell was going on. And you just feel crazy. You feel absolutely crazy and you don't want to be judged and you know people aren't going to understand. And it's like, but this year, this was the year that people were like, oh shit, mental health is a thing. Every single person on this planet suffers in some way for mental health, whether they want to believe it or not. We all have brains, we're all chemically wired. We are all have human. trauma to some extent. We're all human. And I love that this year, if we're going to be looking at some of the positives, because I think we have to do that sometimes. You because, have to. Absolutely. Ooh, yeah. Like some of the positives were that big companies are starting to promote it and family members are starting to become more comfortable talking about it. And it's just becoming more of a widespread thing. And I also talked to my therapist the other day and she was like, there has been a surge in clientele and I was like that's like through the roof and I was like that's amazing though people that probably would never have gone to therapy because it was stigmatized
1: and they thought only crazy people needed
0: to go are now right
1: that's amazing that's amazing and another thing like I've been talking about having to see a therapist for years and I keep putting it off and I keep putting it off and I finally this year I oh my god it took me like I had to try like four different places to oh, yeah. find someone it's who a is a new clients. Mm-hmm. It's crazy right now. And what I'm also realizing, like some therapists don't take insurance and some do. And the mm-hmm. ones who don't, you're like, oh my God, can I afford $150 every few weeks for, no, I don't want to spend the money on it, but I need it. And so a lot of therapists are trying to get To where they can take insurance plans because they know how important it is. But then what about the people who don't have insurance? Yeah, you can't do therapy because they can't afford it. Yeah, that's where I think that this year is taking us because people are realizing now more than ever, how important mental health is and how it should be covered on your insurance plan and how it should be easily accessible. Like, you know, yep. you talk to people who are like in the UK and they're like, you have to pay for that.
0: Right. They're like, wow, <laughs> you
1: know?
0: y'all like, are way to, behind.
1: That's not free for you guys. And what, like, what <laughs> free, free, we no. don't know what free is. What's free. It's free healthcare. <laughs> you know, like all of these crazy things that now with all of the bad stuff happening, good stuff is coming out of it if you look, you can see it. Yes. That's kind of how I'm looking at this year. This has been the worst year of my life and worse years for others more than mine. I understand that everything is relative to your experience, but everything so far that has come out of this year has made me stronger, has made me more empathetic. I'm already an empath, so I don't even want to get into that. Like, <laughs> this year has been the worst year for impact. Oh my I'm gosh! Like, Whoa, we are know? struggling. Oh, I feel everything. Yes, we're we're really struggling. Woo. So there has been so much happening, but so much good coming out of it. And I really feel hopeful and positive that next year, all of these things we didn't go through them in vain. Here's where I'm afraid. Some people are going to get stuck in the negative. Some people are going to just be like, it's never going to get better. You have to feel the negative with the positive. You have to sit through it. You have to heal your trauma. You have to heal your pain. You can't just push it down. You have to feel it to get through it. You have to feel to heal. (laughs) Exactly. And then I was going to say this because you said this earlier, when you feel crazy, you really do. You feel crazy when you're depressed and you don't know you're depressed. You feel like something or feel anxious and don't know what anxiety yes. even is. I had a therapist one time tell me, if you feel crazy, you're not crazy. Crazy people don't know they're crazy. And it made me instantly feel better. I that like, it's
0: so different. Okay. That's like, boom.
1: Right? Like it's like the the actual crazy people are like, I'm not crazy. You know, you know what I mean? Like if That's you feel so crazy, true. yeah, you're not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So just know that, you know, you might be feeling like you're losing your mind a little bit. You might be aware that something is off and that means you're normal.
0: That means <laughs> like you're self-aware. You're aware That's a good thing. You is can-
1: off. Exactly. You're completely self-aware. Speak up, find someone Google mental health, you might be surprised that you could have been struggling all this time and had no idea that that's what that was.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the show. Like, it's just so refreshing and nice to connect with someone who, who gets it. The more I do this show, the more people I have on that are willing to open up and talk about their mental health. It's always like we're rediscovering and realizing, like you said, we're not crazy. Right. And I just appreciate you for opening up and being vulnerable about your postpartum journey. Cause I know it's tough to kind of relive that season, but a yeah, lot of people I need cry. to hear it. No, this is like, I, this is a safe place. I highly encourage crying. That's perfectly fine, but it's a, you know, it's so important to talk about postpartum specifically like that avenue of depression, because like we said in the beginning, it's so nonchalantly talked about. It's not highlighted enough and so i think you know i don't know if you'd ever want to open up about it on social media but i think you would get a lot of positive yeah. feedback from doing so i think you're
1: right i think that that's something that i haven't really been been open about i'm open about a lot of stuff on there yeah. but i'm very i don't know social media just gives me anxiety in general but i always oh, like feel yeah. like if i don't want to word it wrong i don't want to but you're right i think in talking about it it just opens up the lines of communication. It makes other people feel a connection because they f- they're they like, oh my God, I, I do that. It's and the not more just we, me.
0: Yeah. The more we talk about it, the more people will learn and then it kind of just spreads. And that's what we need it to do because we need more women to understand and know how to cope and work through postpartum.
1: And recognize it and recognizing it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that like that connection is what we've all been missing this whole time is that, you know, it's, it's one thing to go out with your girlfriends, but like real, raw human connection, feeling vulnerable, feeling like you can talk about something without judgment from the mm-hmm. other side. That is what I think that's what kind of podcasts bring about in general. Like it's that real human connection that we just have been shoving to the side for so long because we want to paint a pretty picture on social media. We want to paint a pretty picture of our lives. We want to create this dream world and feel like that's what we're creating for ourselves. But we're losing sight of the fact there's not really human connection in that. It kind of makes everybody feel bad about themselves. (laughs) Yeah, it's an empty bubble. Yeah, it really is. So I'm, I'm happy we talked about this. I'm happy to get it out. And I, you know, I, I would love to, if anybody had questions about this to reach out because I'm not an expert, but I lived through it. So. Yeah.
0: So if someone wants to, can you share your social media handle so that they find you?
1: Yeah. So mine, well, I have a couple. <laughs> I don't want to do like a shameless plug, but oh, you know, I also want to put in my, my podcast with my best friend, Sarah a podcast. That's about this holistic approach is called Emerald Hour. We talk about everything from life to psychedelics, to our experiences. And sometimes we've had guests on there, but it's really just the two of us. You know, we might do more guests in the future. And then another thing on my Instagram, my Instagram is leah.angelina um, super easy. So it rhymes kind of like, I know that's my middle name too. For real. I love it. Like Angelina Ballerina. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, little... I do remember. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah.
0: She's a cute little mouse. Yeah.
1: I remember that. Yes. Love I it. love it. Thank you for having me on. I loved it.
0: Absolutely. This was honestly my such hour a pleasure. Session. <laughs> yes. That's another thing. It's like, we can just all get it out, you know, get it
1: out you cannot let it in Yes, yes absolutely
0: well thank you so much again for joining me today and thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the wondering mind podcast i upload episodes every wednesday so stay tuned for those and until next time maintain your brain and keep on wondering